Amen. Somebody say kingdom authority. Kingdom authority. Amen. Been in a series. I feel like the Lord is speaking to us. And uh, I, I personally have um, received revelation. Amen. For my, for my walk with God and living out my Christianity, there's just been several things that have been changing in my life and, and uh, um, still know and believe that there's greater revelation to be had. Amen. But I feel like the Lord is speaking to us and he's given us revelation that he wants us to, to know and to begin to operate in our lives. Somebody said amen. 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 Very quickly, just... Uh, this past Sunday, we learned that mankind had originally had power on earth. Uh, God had given uh, uh, dominion and power and authority on earth to Adam and Eve when he created them and placed them in the garden. But we see from the word of the Lord that they uh, relinquished that authority and that dominion on earth over to Satan when they rebelled and partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Right? But thanks be unto God that because of Christ's death and his burial and his resurrection, the Lord once again now possesses all power in heaven and in earth. Matthew 28 and 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Somebody said amen. So Christ, uh, so if Christ has all power, then that lets us know that Satan has no power. I mean, it's plain as the nose on my face. If Jesus has all power in heaven and in earth, that leaves no power for anybody else to have in the spirit realm. Now, he gives us power and authority, but it's because it's his power. It's not our power. And so Satan has no power. Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, but behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Keys represent power. Keys represent authority in Scripture. And we see from this text that Jesus said, I went back and I took the keys, that which represented the authority that Satan had on earth. He said, I got those keys back. And now I have the keys and to and all power in heaven and in earth. Because of the death, because of the burial, and because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is now a new kingdom on earth. There is a new kingdom, and there is one who is king in that kingdom, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he has all power. He has stripped Satan of every ounce of authority that he lied to get in the garden what one man, Adam, did to mess things up, one man, Jesus, did to reverse the mess. Somebody said amen. Oh, hallelujah. I'm thankful that I have that revelation this evening. Satan has no power. No power. Now, and as we discussed on Sunday, and we're getting into the, to this message tonight, that even though Satan has no ability, no power, no authority, no dominion, he is still wrecking and ruining lives, even in the church. 
So somebody asked the question, how, how can he wreck a life? How can he ruin? The Bible says he's come to steal, to kill, and destroy. How can he do all of that? How does he have the ability to do all of that if he doesn't have any power? If he doesn't have any authority, how can he steal, kill, and destroy if he doesn't have the power to do so? He's doing so not because of the power that he has. He does so because of the power that we relinquish to him Hear me, when we believe his lies, that is the only weapon that he has. He cannot overcome us with his power. He cannot subdue us with his power. He cannot come in and make us do anything against our will because he's just so much more powerful than we are. The only thing that hell can do in our lives is lie to us. And if we don't believe his lie, he has no power. He cannot do one thing if we don't believe his lie. But if we believe his lie, the power and the authority that we have, we give to him. And now he uses our power against us. We empower him by believing his lies. We cooperate with hell's intention to steal from us. Now, when you think about that logically, it makes absolutely no sense, and we wonder why in the world do we ever do it? But do we do it? <laughs> Come on, somebody. We believe his lies sometimes, and we cooperate with him so that he in turn could steal, kill, and destroy us. Because he's a liar, and we believe those lies. John eight forty four. Ye are the ye are of ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and he is the father of it. He is the that's all he has. That's the only weaponry that hell has against us is lies. So Satan stands, or Satan depends totally, totally, 100%. He depends totally and completely on physical human beings yielding to his lies and submitting to his trickery in order for him to work. Oh, hallelujah. We got to get this now. And what I, what I hope revelation comes to you is that when you hear that whispering, Hell's whispers, your first initial response to that is not to listen to what it says, but to have revelation to say, it doesn't matter what he's saying, it's a lie. It's a lie. So why would I sit here and contemplate a lie? Why would I sit here? How many know people, hopefully nobody in the church, but how many know people that they're just the biggest liars on the face of the earth? How much time do you like to spend talking with that person? None. I mean, you just got to talk to them just enough to do whatever you got to do with them, and that's it, and you're out of there. You don't want to sit there and listen to that junk. But why is it that we let the devil just talk and talk and talk and talk, and we listen and we contemplate and we hash and rehash and rehash all the words that this big fat liar, who is the father of all lies, is telling us? 
The ones, the, the human being that lies to us that we don't want anything to do with, the only reason they're lying to us is because they're lying according to what the father of lies is telling them to do. And we don't want to listen to the human being, but we'll listen to the one who's convincing the human being to lie to us. And so, that's why the book says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he's our adversary, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't say seeking whom he's going to devour. It says seeking whom he may devour. He needs our permission to devour us. And how crazy is it to think that we give him permission to devour us? He has no power to do it in and of itself, but we give him permission when we believe the lie. That's why the book says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, you yield your, you made the decision. Nobody forced you. Nobody made you do it. You yield yourselves, servants to obey. His servants ye are whom ye obey. Whatever you obey, that's the servant you're going to be of. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. When we yield ourselves to sin, sin can't make us, Satan can't make us, we willingly yield ourselves. We are yielding ourselves to the author of that sin, which is Satan. He cannot just come in and destroy us. We have got to give him permission. Is that, that's revelation. So many times we, you know, we, we got this picture of Satan that he, you know, he can just come in and do what he wants to do, and man, he's wrecking my life and ruining this and that. No, 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 he's not doing any of that. You are giving, we are giving him permission to do those things because somewhere in our lives we are believing a lie. And it's important that we understand this because those lies come in many forms. Those lies come in many fashions. In fact, the Bible says this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent, speaking of Satan, was more subtle. Somebody say subtle. He was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, and here comes the lie. Hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So the Bible, we notice here that the devil lies to Eve. But before the lie is perpetrated before the lie is spoken. The word of the Lord wants to let us know, hey, Satan, he's very subtle. Now, if, if Satan was a horrible liar, would any of us ever believe a lie? Why do we believe lies in the first place? Because there's, they sound convincing. Right? And Satan has had, like, Billions and billions and billions of people to work on to get better at being a liar since the beginning of time. So he's really good at this lying thing. He's not just going to come in and just say something so outlandishly ridiculous that we just say, really? That's, I'm not going to believe that. No, he's, he's going he's gonna to pepper it with truth. He's going he's gonna to play on our emotions and 
all kinds of stuff in order to convince us that it's not a lie so that we'll start believing it. So we've got to be very watchful about his attacks. We've got to be very aware about the attacks of the enemy. For instance, let me just say, for instance, the book says this. Now, there's, there's many lies. There's many tricks of the enemy. We don't, I mean, there, we, we can't deal with all of them tonight. But there's just a couple that I felt directed of the Holy Ghost to talk about tonight. James chapter 1 and verse 19, the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, I'm, I'm going to go fast here tonight. i got a few things to say. But this word, this word wrath speaks of giving place to anger. It's, this word wrath speaks of giving place to bitterness. This word wrath speaks of giving place to vengeance. Okay, so this is what wrath is. It's, 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 it's anger, it's bitterness, it's vengeance. And this verse shows us that it is biblically impossible for God to work that which is right in our lives. As long as we are allowing anger, bitterness, and a vengeful spirit to be alive within us. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. It, it doesn't matter, hear me, it doesn't matter if we pray 24 hours a day and fast seven days a week for God to produce and work that which is right in our lives. If we have bitterness and anger and vengeful spirits and attitudes towards others, it is biblically impossible for God to work what is right in our lives. No matter how much he may want to, he cannot do it. Now, I don't know. I, there's so much to this that we don't have time to discuss. And I don't really know why the Lord would, wants me to speak this, but I just, I just feel this in, to just touch on this subject and then move on. But in speaking of anger and speaking of bitterness and speaking of having a vengeful spirit, this is, how many know that the enemy, Satan cannot read the hearts of a man, the heart of a man. Only God can read the heart of a man. Man is plural for humanity. Only God can read the heart, what's inward. Satan cannot read your mind. Satan cannot read what's in your heart. Only God can do that. So Satan watches what we say, and Satan watches what we do. And those give him clues, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit, but those give him clues of what is on the inward. He looks at what's coming outward, and it gives him clues on how he can attack us inwardly. So he watches first for what we say. So when it comes to this stuff about anger and uh, being filled with wrath and vengeful and all this kind of stuff, this is one of the reasons why we as Christians shouldn't curse. Because cursing, when, we, when individuals say curse words, they, it, that is simply a physical or a verbal 
manifestation of inward anger. Does that make sense? And when that's why we, we shouldn't we shouldn't curse because the enemy picks up on that and says, you know, those words that are coming out, that those words were caused by something inwardly. That's why the book says in Psalms chapter 39 and verse 1, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. I'm going to keep my mouth secure. I'm going to keep my mouth with the bridle. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to let it run free. I'm not just going to say whatever comes to my mind. And, 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 and when that anger and stuff, that just comes out of me. But I'm going to keep my mouth. Psalms chapter 141 verse 3 says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Set a watch there, and if there's anything that's trying to come out, let that watch say, you get back in there. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say those things. This is how the enemy understands and knows what's going on in our lives. Now, obviously, you can still refrain from cursing and still be bound by anger and bitterness. We understand that. But this is, this is just one, this is one reason why we as apostolics, we as Christians shouldn't go around Cussing. We shouldn't say the words that the world uses because those are those 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 are all red flags to the enemy of what's inside of us. An individual that is filled with anger, an individual that that ha, that that has problems in these areas of anger and bitterness and vengeful spirits, many times they've lost control over what comes out of their mouth. That anger is just boiling there and just boom. They don't, they don't even really, you know, and, and, and if you record them and, and let them listen to it, they're like, man, I didn't, I didn't realize I said that word that many times. What, what, what is it? They, they've lost control over the tongue. And their words are simply a window into that which is on the inside of them. And that curse word, when spoken, is simply a confession to the enemy that there are issues of the heart that we have not dealt with. And what comes out of our mouths gives the enemy license to then walk in that doorway and start wrecking and ruining our lives. Again, look at what the book says in Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of what? Fools. Anger rests in the bosom of fools. Notice, it is that it's an individual that is foolish. And it's denoting here, I believe, implying that because we are foolish, that's why we believe the lies. Because we're not walking in wisdom. We're not walking in understanding. These individuals are foolish. Because they're foolish, they believe the lies, and they walk in error. And because they're believing these lies, they are going to allow the spirit of anger to rule and reign in their life. Anger resteth in the bosom of fools. It's not going anywhere. It's resting right there. They're going to they're gonna be angry today. They're going to be angry tomorrow. They're going to be angry next. It's resting, right? It's taking up residence 
in their life. And it's going to rule and it's going to reign in their life. And this anger is going to keep the blessings of God and God from doing what is right in their life. You see how all this is so important? I know this is practical here tonight, but this, this, this all has to do with kingdom authority. How much authority can an individual walk in if anger is taking up residence in their life? Somebody might say, well, what, what about the verse that speaks about being angry and sinning not? Ephesians 4.26, be ye angry and sin not. So the Bible, you know, pastor, the Bible says we can be angry, just sin not. Let not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. But what you have to understand, if, when, when you study the verse, it's, it's speaking of two different things. It's talking about sin and it's talking about wrath. The first word, or it's talking about angry, be ye angry and Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So two different things, anger and wrath. The first word angry is a word that is speaking of an anger that arises from a zeal towards God, a zeal towards truth. It's not anger directed towards a human being. It is an anger, like for instance, I I am angry against that, that spirit that causes people to cut themselves. Now, I'm, I don't like anything that, that the enemy does. I don't like the, anything that the, that, that the enemy does, how he wrecks and ruins. But there's something about that spirit that I just get so angry. It's not against the person. It's against that spirit. It's the same spirit of, of, of um, when you kill yourself, what's that called? Suicide. It's a suicidal spirit. It's just acted out on a smaller scale. And that suicidal spirit, that man, I just, that, that infuriates me. I just, I, you know, just, I hate, I'm so angry against that spirit. This is what it's talking about. It's not against a person. It's, it's against a spirit. It's not directed towards an individual. It's not directed towards the church. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's something that is directed towards unrighteousness and ungodliness and the work of the enemy. And then it lets us know, then it says, and also and secondarily, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. This is two different things. That word wrath there speaks of an anger. It speaks of a vengefulness towards another person because of personal reasons. They did me wrong. They said this. They did that. They didn't shake my hand, whatever. Okay? That's wrath. And the, in, and the word of the Lord is very plain to us, and it says, you take care of that before the sun goes down. You make sure you get that under the blood. You make sure you repent of that before the sun goes down because that stuff's dangerous. Does that all that make sense? So this is all very important because in, in 20 years of ministry, I've seen so many Christians bound by bitterness. I have seen so many Christians bound by anger. I've seen so many Christians bound by resentment towards those inside the church and towards those outside of the church. And here's the thing. They think that just because they keep it to themselves, they think they're keeping it to themselves. They're actually not keeping it to themselves, but 
They think they're doing a good job at keeping it to themselves. And they think because they're keeping it to themselves or that just because they only talk about it to their spouse or that they only talk about it, you know, this, you know, they're so angry at this person or so vengeful against this person or all this kind of stuff again. And, but, but I'm only going to talk about it to my spouse and I'm only going to talk about it to my kids that it's okay and that it's not doing any harm. I'm not talking about it to the church. I'm not putting it on Facebook. I'm not going to tell everybody else. I'm just talking about it to my spouse. I'm talking about it to my kids. I'm talking about it to just my very close friends. But that person is believing a lie. And they are cooperating with the enemy to bring all kinds of hurt and darkness and problems into their life. Does that make sense? We, we've believed the lie of the enemy that told us that it is okay to be bitter towards someone as long as on Sunday we still shake their hands and smile. Now here's what the enemy tells us. Let's just get real. Here's what the enemy tells us. The enemy says it's okay to be bitter towards them, but as long as you're nice to them on Sunday. And so here's what we do. We come to the house of God. We got all these bitter feelings towards people, all this unresolved junk that's in our lives, but we'll go up to the person. And the enemy will tell us, you did so good. Oh, you just did great. That's, that's what the word of God wants you to do. That's what God, wow, you are such an example to the believers today. What you did was so spiritually mature. And we leave thinking, yeah, it was, wasn't it? I really did do good. Yeah, I, I could have, man, bless God, I could have did this and I could have did that, but I didn't because I'm so spiritual. There's so much I could have said, but I didn't because, you know, the Lord guarded my tongue. No. <laughs> You're... Again, the enemy peppered just as much as enough truth in the lie to make you feel good about being bound by bitterness. And so what happens? We leave thinking everything's good, and the enemy says, the door's still wide open. I can go in there, and I can wreck, and I can ruin, and I can trash their life, and it doesn't matter what God wants to do in their life. He is incapable, biblically incapable by his own word, to do what is right in their life. And so we live week after week, month after month, year after year, thinking everything's okay because the enemy told us it was okay, and we believed it. When in reality, we're filled with bitterness. We're believing a lie of the enemy if we feel entitled to witness retribution in the life of someone that we feel has done us wrong. But I, I want to see him. I want to see him be set down. I want to see him be made an example of. I want to see him be punished. Why? Because, you, man, this is what they did to me. This is, what, this is how they, this is what they did in my life. We're believing a lie when we convince, listen, when we convince ourselves that it's okay to think about what vengeance would look like as long as we don't act out what we're thinking. And I want to get back at them so bad. 
And let me, let me think of all the ways. I'd do this and I'd do that and I'd say this. I'd say that. But because I'm so spiritual, because I'm so holy, I'm not actually going to do any of those things. I'm just going to think about them all the time. Right? And we feel like we're spiritual. And, and the enemy has convinced us that we're doing good and we're doing right. And so we're believing a lie. Oh, hallelujah. So all this is nothing more than anger. It's nothing more than wrath and a vengeful, a vengeful spirit that has us bound and has us controlled. But the enemy, he is so subtle and, and he is having such a field day in our lives that he just continues to lie and lie and lie so that we'll continue to believe the lie. And he'll continue to have a negative impact in our life, steal and kill and destroy. Allowing our temper to cause us to flip out in rage. It, that will affect us. In spiritual ways, even if we're not in church when we do it. <laughs> Don't everybody run the aisles at once tonight. Well, when I'm at church, I don't do any of that. When I'm at church, I'm calm, cool, and collected. Nobody from the church has ever seen me in those moments of rage. So I'm not really affecting anything. It's, it, it doesn't really have an impact on my life. Yes, it does. Because there's somebody else looking for an open door. Yelling, cursing, throwing things in anger. It affects us negatively. It affects our life negatively. Even if the rest of the church doesn't never see us act that way. For again, the book tells us that the righteousness of God cannot work in the life of one who is bitter, filled with anger, controlled by vengeance. Cannot. It, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you think. Well, you know, I just, you just don't understand, Pastor, what was done and this, that, and the other, and I just, you know. I, I think God would understand why I feel the way I feel. Now, he's not going to change his word because we refuse to repent. He's not going to change his word because we don't want to take an introspective look and, 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 and get real with the fact that we're allowing flesh to dominate our life. Somebody said Amen. And that's where the verse kicks in that says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, we've already said it, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for someone to give him permission to steal, kill, and destroy. And because he can't know, as I've already said, because he cannot know the heart of an individual, he's forced to watch their actions and he's forced to listen to what they say. And when he sees and when he hears that which betrays bitterness, pounces on it. When he sees and hears that which betrays anger, he pounces on it. Man, I just can't stand that individual. I just, oh, I just, oh. If I could just get my hands on them. 
you just don't know. I, just, I don't ever want to see them again. I don't ever want to talk to them again. Ah, no, 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 no. Anger. Anger. Well, you just don't understand. Let me tell you something. As Christ hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. As nails were in his hands and in his feet, and he was about to die, he looked at those that were doing it and said, Father, forgive them. So now, <laughs> let's just keep everything in reality here. And when he sees that, when he sees those, those actions and, and that face that's all contorted, when he hears those words leaving, I just can't stand them. I'm going to text them these words and email them these things, and I just want to tell them how much I can't stand them and how much I hate them and all this kind of stuff. When he sees that and when he hears that, it betrays the bitterness and the anger, and it's, it's like us putting a massive neon sign above our heart and saying, come on in and ruin my life. That's exactly what we're doing. It's exactly what we're doing. Come on in and wreck everything beautiful and wonderful and precious in my life. That's why it's important. That's why it's important that we just don't look at these things as personality quirks. Well, you know, my dad was, he battled, you know, temper, and my grandpa dad battled temper, and, you know, just come by it naturally. No, you don't. You were born again. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. All things become new. Listen, for us to say, well, we just come by it naturally is to believe the lie. The enemy tells you, well, that's the way your dad was and that's the way your grandpa was, so it's okay for you to be this way. And we think, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Dad was like this, grandpa was like this, so it's okay for me to be like this. No, it's not okay. That's a lie. And we believe the lie. And then we just give permission to the enemy to come in and wreck us because we believe the lie. It's not a personality quirk. We, these aren't just little issues. These aren't just little things that really don't have any kind of effect in our lives. You have to understand that the devil, a roaring lion, he's like this. He's watching you every day. He's watching how you look. He's watching how you, how you act. He's watching every word. If you could just get this mind, this picture in your mind of the enemy just looking and watching, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? Because the moment anger, the moment resentment, the moment vengeance, the moment all this bitterness stuff, the moment I see that is the moment I see that door open and I, boom, just go right on in. And he's just waiting, watching, seeking whom he may devour. Who's going to give me permission into their life? That's what he's, that's what he's doing. Oh, hallelujah. And it's going to be, it's absolutely Impossible for God to do what is right. The book makes this, is this all right? The, the, the book makes this truth even more plain. I'm hurrying. When it says this, now this just brings it on home. If there was any confusion. James 3.16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Just, just look at what the verse says. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. 
Envying there is a word that means a contentious rivalry or a contentious jealousy about somebody. There's, there's, a, there's a rivalry. You got something against somebody. This could be at home. This could be at school. This could be at work. This could be at church. This attitude is one where someone is so jealous or has such a rivalry, even if it's one-sided, towards someone else that it turns contentious and their words and, and, and they, they, they try as often as they can to tear that person down because it makes them feel better. If they can tear somebody, that individual down, it makes them feel better because there has, there's such a contentious rivalry here. And then it speaks of strife, for where envying and strife is. It speaks of strife, and this is bitter conflict. This word strife means bitter conflict, contentious. It's a, it's, there's, there's some anger connected with this. And it is marked, the, the, the description here, the definition is, it, this, this strife is marked by a lack of agreement and a lack of harmony. So both of these are, are, are speaking of a fracture between individuals. These, these speak of heated words. These speak of heated actions. Or it speaks of complete avoidance of an individual because of how you feel about them. Am I making sense? This is what this is talking about, this strife and, 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 and envy and strife, this, this, this hatred. and We don't like what they did. We don't like what they said. We don't like how they treated us. We don't like that they've got what we want. We don't like that they were used and we weren't used or that they were used at all knowing what we know about them. We don't like that they were first and we weren't first. We know so much about them and we know they should be punished and we're mad that they weren't. Which, you know, just as a side note, I, people have told that to me before and I, and I, I just want to ask them, <laughs> have you, I'm the pastor, have you been with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week to know who I talk to? Who I met at the office and who I talked to on the phone? Well, they just haven't been, you know, they haven't been dealt with. How do you know they haven't been dealt with? How do you know that? I'll tell you why. Because you're believing a lie. You're believing a lie from the enemy. You don't know what I did and what I didn't do. Amen. We want her to be made an example of. Okay, we'll make an example of you next time. Next time you fail, we'll make an example of you. I don't want to. We'll make an example of your kid. No, not my kid. I want you to protect them and love them. Give them grace. But I don't want to love and protect and give grace to somebody else's kid. I'm preaching good right now. Man. I mean, we got to think about all this stuff. And we say that and we think those things because we're believing lies. Lies of the enemy. 
And a sure sign, this is a sure sign that we are bound by envy and bound by strife in some way. This is, this is the sure sign. We pull ourselves away. We pull ourselves away. If it's at the home, in a marriage, we pull ourselves away from our spouse. If it's with kids, we pull ourselves away from the kids. If it's at the church, we pull ourselves away from the church. This is a sure sign that in some way there is a spirit of envy and strife and bitterness and anger in your life is you are pulling away. And see, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Here's, here's the thing about us and, and the world in which we live because there are Christians who would say this, well, I know strife in the home isn't a good thing, but, but it's all, that's normal life. That's just normal life. Strife in a marriage isn't necessarily good, I get that, but, it, but, but that's just a normal occurrence. Every married couple has strife. Now, I, I realize that what the common thought process is in our world. But does that line up with the word of God? Now, I think we, and I don't have a time to do the Bible study. You just have to use your, your mind here. But we have to understand there's the difference between a disagreement and strife. Okay, there's a difference between a disagreement and strife. But if there is constant fighting in a home, whether it be between the husband and the wife, whether it be between the kids and the parents, or whether it be, be between the kids and the kids. If there is constant arguing and constant fighting and constant yelling and constant bickering, that is not of God. No matter what the world says is normal. Well, that's just normal. That's just, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter what our culture says is normal. What does the word of God say is to be normal? 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is the author of peace in a home, in a marriage, in kids, parents, husbands, wives, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Peace is to be multiplied in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14, follow peace with all men. Follow to pursue, to pursue after peace with everybody and holiness with which, without which no man shall see the Lord. What is that? Follow, we are to have peace with everybody. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace, always by all means. The Lord be with you all. He gives you peace by all means. Because why? Because he's the Lord of peace. Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Peace should rule. In our hearts. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit. If we are filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of God within us should be that there is love, there is joy, and there is peace. And if that is not being exemplified in our lives, it is because somewhere 
along the way, we are believing a lie. No, it's not, I'm not believing a lie. You just don't know my wife. You just don't know my husband. You just don't know my kids. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. It has not one thing to do with the individual. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We are believing a lie somewhere, and it's causing us to act certain ways, think certain ways, do certain things. We're believing a lie. And it is causing there to be friction, and it is causing there to be separation. And it, has, and it has everything to do with the fact that we're believing a lie. And we can come and sit in the, on church pews and believe a lie of the enemy. And we can talk in tongues and keep believing a lie of the enemy. And we can do ministry and keep believing a lie of the enemy. Mm, hallelujah. And let me just say this while I'm talking about it. It's very important that when you get into situations and, and the enemy's wrecking and ruining your life, it's very important that you listen to counsel. I feel the Holy Ghost now. It's very, very important when you're going through those dark times in your life, when the enemy is just wrecking and ruining your life and you don't know why, there's somebody outside of the situation that can see very plainly the lie you're believing. You might not be able to see it because you're in the middle of it. And the devil has been so subtle as to convince you that what you're believing is truth and not a lie. But it is a lie nonetheless. And so, it's, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. It is very important. It is very, very, very important that in those moments when you don't know what to do and in those moments when it's crashing down all around you and in those moments that you're trying to blame everybody else, it's very important in that moment you listen to godly counsel because the word of the Lord is going to speak through spiritual authority and godly friends and they're going to love you enough to tell you the truth. But hear me, if you want to continue believing the lie so as to continue making yourself feel good, then you're going to continue on walking in darkness. But if you'll humble Humble yourself to truth, and if you'll submit yourself to truth, and if you'll listen to godly counsel, I'm telling you, you're going to understand what the lie is. You're going to begin to speak against that lie, begin to enforce truth in that situation, and the blessings of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord are going to be able to begin to flow into your life. At one point where you had God's hands handcuffed, where he could not do one good thing. Now, when you begin to give truth and believe truth, God says, now I can work. Watch me do this. Watch me put this home back together. Watch me put this marriage back together. Watch me fix these finances. Watch me fix this ministry. Watch me fix this future. Woo. Hallelujah. But it's all about what we choose to believe. It's all about what we're going to believe. And if you're in the mess, listen to somebody when they're telling you what to do to get out of the mess. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So when you when you're bound by this stuff and struggling with all this stuff, you're going to find yourself pulling away. I'm hurrying. You're going to find yourself pulling away. And what does this look like? Just practice. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it a bunch of times. I know what I'm talking about. You stop coming to pre-service prayer. 
I'm still going to be in their church, but I'm just, I'm just not going to be there pre-service prayer. And then Thursday, midweek services become, you know, hit and miss. If it's convenient, I'll go. If not, I'm not going to push myself to go. And then Sunday, pre-service prayer. Nah, I'm not going to get there for that. See what I'm saying? And then Wednesday night, prayer. Prayer and fasting. No, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. We used to, but we don't do it anymore. And then special services and revival. And you just, you just see this. You just see them come slowly. So there's people in this room right now that you're in this place. Slowly backing away, backing away, backing away. Used to always be up at the altars. Used to be always praying, going after the things of God. And now just back, back, back. Why? Bitterness. Bitterness, anger. I don't like what was done. I don't like what was said. Believing a lie, believing a lie, believing a lie. They didn't handle it correctly. They didn't do it right. So if you want to know, you know, well, well, I just, I just don't know if I'm bound by all that stuff. I just don't know if I'm struggling with all this stuff. Okay, well, ask yourself the question. Are you moving forward in the things of God or are you moving backwards in the things of God? Are you doing more for God today than what you were doing last year, or are you doing less for God? Are you more faithful to the things of God today, or are you less faithful to the things? Of, it's very simple. If you're honest, it's very simple to self-diagnose your spiritual levels. Are you more passionate today about the things of God and you can't wait to get in his presence and you're teaching more Bible studies and you're praying for more people on the altar than you ever have or are you back? It's very easy. Oh, hallelujah. The reason is because they're believing a lie from Satan that's telling them you've been done wrong. You have every right to feel the way you feel. They did you so wrong. Your spouse did you so wrong. Your kids did you so wrong. Your pastor, your church, they did you so wrong. You have every right to feel the way you feel. I do. I do have a right to feel. They did do me wrong. What are you doing? You're listening to the voice and you're believing the lie. Most people who were mistreated like you've been wouldn't even still be in church. So for you to show up on Sunday is more than what anybody should be asking of you. And the devil, here's what he does. He, he begins to point out to you and gives you names of people that have backslid away from church. I, I know what I'm talking about. And he says, so-and-so, the same thing happened to them. And look, they're not even in church anymore. So for you to still be coming on Sundays, way to go. Good job. And we start feeling, yeah, they backslid over the same thing that I went through. They backslid over the same hurt. But I'm not backslid. I'm still coming. I don't come to Thursdays anymore. I don't come to pre-service prayer anymore. I don't come to prayer anymore. I don't come to, you know, revival services or anything like that. But I'm here on Sundays. And so that's good. And we believe the lie. Am I helping anybody? With the way you feel about that individual, you are showing so much restraint by just ignoring them. 
You could be giving them a piece of your mind, but you are showing such Christian restraint. Hallelujah. Lies, 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 lies. And so here, and I'm, I'm, so here's what it all comes down to this, the verse we've just read, James 3 and 16. For where envying and strife is, if there is strife in your home, strife in your marriage, strife in your family, strife in your kids, strife in the church, strife towards you and a brother or sister in the Lord, strife at work, if that is at work in your life, this is what the Word of God says will happen. Ready? There will be confusion and every evil work. That's telling us, first off, that when we believe those lies, then we're, we're living out emotions, we're living out attitudes, and we're living out actions that are based completely and totally on absolute confusion. You think you have it all figured out. You think this is truth. You think, well, I know what was said and I know what was done. And so this is a very logical uh, uh, action on my part for that which was perpetrated against me. This is a very logical thing. This is what was said. This is what was done. So this is what I'm going to do in response to it. And you think it's all very logical, but you only think that because that's what the enemy is convincing you. The reality is your response is being based upon absolute and total confusion. Confusion. But it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just say it's based on confusion. It says that then the enemy can do every evil work. Now, I'm, I'm helping somebody right now. I want you to see this. When we allow strife, when we allow this dissension, when we allow this arguments and fighting and all this kind of stuff and the separation in our lives and in the church and in families, all this kind of, when we do that, we are literally giving hell an invitation to do whatever he wants. Listen, with no restraints. Every evil work. We are literally telling hell, you come on into my life, and if you can think of any way to destroy me, you go ahead and do it. Now, it's probably not going to happen overnight, but we are literally giving hell free reign. Think about this now. We are literally giving, well, I just don't know. It's just the way I feel, and this is just what I think I should do, and bless God, and whatever, whatever. No, 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 no. You, 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 need to, you need to get wisdom. You need to listen to your pastor tonight. You need to listen to spiritual authority tonight. You need to listen to godly friends that have spoken into your life. You don't see it. You are believing a lie. And the Bible says believe a lie and be damned. Why? Because when we do this, when all this junk is in our lives, we are literally got a big sign saying, hell, come and completely ravish my life. And to not believe that or to give excuses for why we feel we're exempt to that 
or to refuse to get honest about the fact that God's word is speaking to us is, is to simply continue believing the same lie that got you here in the first place. And it is going to destroy. I promise you, I've seen it. It is going to take everything that is precious and good and it is going to methodically crush them. I've seen it time and time and time again. That bitterness, that anger opens up so many doors, so many problems, so many issues. And what is so frustrating to me as their pastor is if they would have just listened to the word of the Lord, they could have been spared all of it. They did not have to walk in one of those things. They did not have to go through one of those dark times. Not one of them. But they believed a lie and they refused to listen to spiritual authority. Let me just say this. Spiritual authority and being submitted to spiritual authority doesn't show up when you agree. It shows up when you disagree. Anybody can be submitted to spiritual authority when spiritual authority is telling them what they want to hear. You're not being submitted if I'm telling you what you want to hear and what you want to do. But if the word of the Lord is telling you something that's contrary to what you think, how you feel, and what you want to do, that's where true submission shows up. And that is why submission is so very, it, it is the key to everything because of moments just like this. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get into a meeting and you're going to say, well, this is what I think and this is how I feel and this is what I think should be done. And spiritual authority is going to say, no, 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 this is what you need to do. And then it's there you're going to determine are you submitted or not. Are you submitted to spiritual authority and to the authority of the word of God? Because if you are submitted, you're going to say this. You know what? I might not understand that, and it might not make sense, and it might be contrary to everything that I feel and everything that I think, but I'm going to do it because spiritual authority is instructing me to out of love, out of love, and the word of the Lord is instructing me to do this. So I'm going to do this, and here's what happens. When you begin to do things that are right and righteous, it allows the Lord to begin to work in your life. This is why submission to spiritual authority is so huge. It has nothing to do with a pastor that's on a power trip and everybody's got to obey me and you know bow down and kiss my ring. It has nothing to do with that. Not one thing, but it has everything to do with the fact that for whatever reason God chose to put me in this position and I want to help and I want to encourage and I want to take people from where you are to where God wants you to be. And it's in those moments uh, where some things, it's got to get tough. And some, and, and some words that are spoken to you might go against what you feel and what you think. Uh, but in those moments, you need to say, I believe uh, what the word of the Lord says. Uh, and I believe God put a pastor in my life that loves me and cares about me and is concerned about me. So I'm going to listen even when I don't want to listen. And I'm going to do things I don't even really want to do in my own flesh. Uh, because I know at the end of the day, uh, when I come through this... Uh, I'm going to come through as pure gold and God's going to be able to use me and God's going to be able to use me for his purpose and my marriage is going to be back together and my family's going to be back together and my future's going to be back together. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody stand to your feet if you would. Lift your hands. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.